Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. And thanks for joining me in these soundbite episodes where I'm sharing some top of mind thoughts as I prepare for series three. The idea of these episodes is to to share some of the regular activity issues and hurdles of being an active property investor. With a couple of weeks to go before the new higher stamp duty threshold kicks in, Two issues are very much top of mind at the moment with anybody who's active in property investing, I'm sure, notably property finance and valuations. And today we shall focus on property valuations after some, let's say, challenging experiences of late. So on with the show as we dig a little bit deeper into this issue further now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Have you ever had a property valued and been surprised at the result? We usually encounter property valuations in three main situations, when we're buying, when we're selling, and when we're refinancing property. Now generally, we would be looking for a generous valuation when selling or refinancing, as this would support our case to extract the maximum value from our property asset. Whilst generally the opposite is true when buying, where we may seek to use a low valuation to help negotiate a reduced, uh, sorry, a reduced purchase price, this is not always the case, and particularly when we're facing some kind of a deadline, as with the stamp duty threshold at the moment. Now, I've covered the topic of property valuations over at the Property Voice blog, and thanks to a guest post from a Rick's Chartered Building Surveyor, who shared how best how to get the best or, or right property valuation for our property. And there's a link to that in the show notes, so head over to that for a fuller discussion if you like on that. But as this is a soundbite episode, I shall share with you some of my recent experience and perhaps produce a longer musings episode on the subject of valuations a little bit later on, if of course you'd like me to. Now over the last few weeks, I've been directly involved in four property transactions. Three are purchases and one was a refinance. Of those four, three of them were subject to a down valuation or a zero valuation. Previously, I've also experienced a retention of funds as well, resulting from a valuation. So it's a pretty big deal, I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, a down valuation comes when a value, uh, so a valuer sets a lower value against the property than what you've agreed to pay for it. Uh, obviously, that's assuming you're the buyer in this situation. And this is, uh, this is usually where comparable evidence does not support the value in the valuer's mind, or if the standard of the property suggests there's a large cost involved in bringing it up, bringing it up to a level consistent with similar properties nearby, or it could be some other reason which suggests more costs or another reason that could make the property harder to sell. Also, keep in mind, and this is a very key point, that usually the valuer is working for a lender when finance is involved, certainly. And of course, if we're a seller, then they're working for a potential buyer. So they don't work for us, in other words, even though we may actually be the ones paying for the valuation. 
So on a recent purchase that I was involved with, along with a partner, we experienced a situation where we, we'd agreed to buy the property for a value lower than many similar properties in the local area, or at a discount if you like. Our numbers told us that based on the end valuation post works and having factored in the cost of these works, along of course with this purchase price, that it was fair and reasonable and would result in a tidy profit. The valuer disagreed with the agreed purchase price. Hmm. And uh, they marked it down by a value by a further 9k or 11% from an already discounted price. The main reason cited was that the property was described as a three bed due to a loft conversion. However, the conversion did not have the certificate to say that it was done in accordance with building regulations and so it was valued as a two bed instead. Normally, of course, you'd be rubbing your hands with glee if you're, uh, if you're purchasing, but given the deadlines as I'm talking about, there is a potential cost implication of a delay um, you know, from that taking place. However, what we were then able to do was use this valuation to renegotiate the price down. Now, we weren't able to agree the full reduction that the valuer had suggested, as that would have severely compromised the vendor's financial position. We were happy that we would achieve our target margin at the renegotiated price, and whilst we could have potentially achieved a higher margin by pressing for the full reduction, we chose not to. The reason was that this would result in a win-lose outcome with the vendor and we were content with our projected end margin as well so um, you know th there was no point really squeezing beyond that situation um, despite the, f the low valuation. That said there was a consequence to this position for us as the lender would only advance a loan based on the valued price rather than the higher albeit reduced purchase price that we'd, uh, we'd settled on and that meant putting in more of a cash deposit which was not ideal. However, it did it fundamentally change the profit profitability of our deal? No. From a profit point of view, it didn't. However, it did mean a higher cash input and as a result, a very slightly lower return on investment as well, as we had obviously to put in a little bit more cash, but this was to some extent offset by lower finance charges to soften the blow to our ROI here. So the overall result wasn't actually that bad, apart from obviously having to provide for more cash, and maybe I'll come to that point later. Was the valuer wrong in their valuation? Well, were we were wrong? In other words, who was right? Well, the, the vendor, and indeed we, had our own idea of the correct value, and so in turn did the valuer. And it is, after all, an opinion. And unlike the stock market, say, where the value of a single company share is, is set instantly by buyers and sellers trading that share, this is not the same with an individual property where each property is different and so you know there's only one willing buying seller potentially at any one point in time and even a next door neighbor's property could be different. Um, so anyway I digress a little bit but um, in another case um, that of these uh, these recent experiences I wanted to share with you we also had a zero valuation so previously we had a down valuation here we're talking about a zero valuation and this can come as a bit of a shock and, uh, and we experienced this of late as I mentioned. Now in this case, a property was valued at zero. Can you believe that? A property valued at zero. So was it worth zero? No, it wasn't. However, the reason for the valuer adopting this, this approach was actually quite sensible, if also slightly annoying at the same time. <laughs> the valuer had some uncertainty around certain aspects of the property and so sought some additional reports before providing a final valuation figure. Now keep in mind that most valuers are general surveyors and not specialists here.
and in this case a structural survey was requested to confirm that some cracks uh, were, not, were, were long-standing and not subject to recent movement. The building has been standing since 1861, I should add, so it probably won't fall down anytime soon, but reluctantly I accept the cautious approach from the valuer. Remember again that they act for the lender and so they can be sued if they get it wrong. So this partially explains a conservative approach or a cautious approach that they may well be adopting. Now, a zero valuation is not necessarily a bad thing, and once the reports come back, can allow the valuer to uh, value the property in line with other market comparables in the confidence that the special reports can back them up if they need to. Of course, as a result of the additional reports, it can also give rise to additional works uh, and additional costs of those works, which may or may not be expected. And this may result in a lower valuation or even a retention on the advance by the lender until those specified works are undertaken. If nothing else though, it does add to the time, uncertainty and also the cost during the acquisition process um, as a result of instructing these additional uh, reports which of course are going to come at additional cost. And again, with the stamp duty deadline um, coming, it wasn't so helpful, I can, I can assure you. Now in the above two examples, any lower valuation retention or suggestion of additional works costs can be used to, to leverage or chip away at the purchase price or renegotiate in other words. And if we receive a low valuation and share this information with the vendor, they will realize that it could happen with any potential buyer and in fact that it comes from a, a third party who is a, who is a professional at least helps to soften the blow and reduce the emotion. Well, we hope so anyway. Of course, there could be a situation where either the vendor withdraws their property because they don't like what's going on, or indeed we, the buyer, do. Um, and this could, this could result in abortive costs uh, to be taken into consideration with the transaction as well. So abortive costs are basically think costs that you've expended uh, that you won't be able to recover because the transaction doesn't go along. That's usually lenders, lenders and legal fees in the main, main part. There could be some other professional fees as well. Uh, so that's something to be, uh, to be kept in mind. Um, and it's part and parcel of being a, being a property investor and so you do win some and you do lose some so keep it in mind as I mentioned. Now the refinance valuation that I alluded to was again downvalued uh, and this was I had to you know think about whether I smashed a mirror or something like that <laughs> you know what's going on but uh, more on that later it isn't just me I can assure you um, but this revaluation was for an HMO that I was refinancing where the valuer adopted again a cautious approach with regard to an investment valuation based on some other properties of a lower standard as comparables in the area. Now, I could argue the toss on this one, but I'm phlegmatic about it, to be honest with you, because it's a little bit of lose on the swings and win on the roundabouts here. It means leaving more cash in the deal, yes, and that could have been, uh, that could have been helpful, <laughs> um, but you know that's, that's a boo, if you like. <laughs> However, it also reduces my debt level, and plus it improves my net cash flow income position on the property as well. Yay! <laughs> so it's not all doom and gloom, and you know, I, you know, as a, a, taking a long-term view on this one, uh, the, net, the net cash flow income position is very good, and that's, that's consistent with one of my uh, target uh, uh, key performance indicators anyway. So as I say, pretty phlegmatic, shrug my shoulders, we move on. But of course, what you're noting here is uh, extra cash is the watchword here, and I'll come back to that later as well. So to add to some add some colour and wider context to this discussion, it isn't just me. I can assure you, it's not just me that's experiencing these issues with valuations of late. 
Indeed, I spoke to a respected mortgage broker last week who told me that around 50% of the valuations he had seen lately had an issue with regard to the valuation. And that's whether it's being downvalued, a set of the, a zero value, pending further reports, or sometimes even a retention. Now, I'm not privy to what goes on within RICs or the communications between lenders and valuers, but I wouldn't mind betting that something is afoot here. So keep an eye on your valuations as you go through is all I can advise you to do. Now, we've not reached the full end story as far as all of these valuations go. In my case, with these four valuations, three are now fully resolved, two of which have resulted in a lower purchase price being renegotiated on the strength of the valuation, and the third, a lower level of refinancing uh, cash has been released on the property, um, which, you know, as I mentioned, has some upsides as well. The fourth is still awaiting the results of the special reports. Uh, I have it on uh, a verbal that uh, there's nothing significant. There are some issues that have come out, but most of those are relatively uh, expected. So uh, we'll have to see what the final report on that one comes out. Uh, but we don't have that much time as well, is the point. But in each case, and this is, this is you know, part of the learning here, it has added to the time and potential stress or at least anxiety of doing the deal. And in a couple of cases, it also led to an increased cash requirement in the deal as well. So my top tip for today really is to keep in mind uh, for your next property deal that you may need to set aside for some additional cash requirements. So the, the, the advice really is just to don't fill yourself up you know, on the first property deal with nowhere to turn. Otherwise, you might, just, uh, you might have a nasty surprise that you can't actually address. Struggling around to find additional cash or maybe facing some of those abortive costs because you can't stretch that far. So my fi final thought on this topic is this. Valuations are just an opinion, but unfortunately, <laughs> the valuation surveyor's opinion counts the most, and that is why they are akin to being the Chancellor of the Exchequer, in my analogy and in the title for today's show. They're such a big player in the financial outcome of our property commercial reality, and they, along with the Prime Minister, or the lenders in other words, are a powerful force, and we need to navigate and manage around them if we are to be successful. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. Um, I think I might return to this subject and elaborate a lot more on the whole, on the wider issue of, uh, of valuations and surveys. But for a Soundbites episode and uh, sharing some of my recent experience, that might be sufficient, let's say. But if this topic has stirred you up, and I often find that it does, you can always drop me a line, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and uh, we, can have a, we can have a good old moan about value, valuations uh, between us, I'm sure. But as ever, the show notes will be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. Meanwhile, and as always, I'd just like to say thank you very much for joining me on the show today. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.